Welcome to Hope Church this morning. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We're thrilled that you're able to join us. If you are new uh, and you're interested in potentially joining us as a church, we have a connect point over to my right, and there will be people there at the end of the service who would love to speak to you more and tell you how you can connect in. We run a number of groups during the week which you can join. Uh, There's a lot that happens in the life of this church. This church is always busy doing things, uh, serving the community in various ways, and there's lots of ways in which you can connect and, uh, and join us, so please find someone at the connect point at the end. If you have your Bible, please can you turn to Luke chapter 15. We've been going through this gospel together over recent months. We're right in the heart of the gospel at the moment, and today we'll be reading uh, through the whole chapter in chunks. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. If you're new to Christianity or you're investigating faith, maybe you're agnostic, maybe you think there might be a God, you're not sure. Is Christianity true? What about other religions? You may be having questions of that order. We as Christians believe the way in which we know what, who God is and what God is like is by looking at and listening to the person of Jesus Christ. He reveals to us what God is like. And there are probably not many chapters in the whole Bible which are so wonderful at revealing to us the very nature and character of God than Luke chapter 15. And we find in this chapter that Jesus has a fantastic grasp of people like us. And he understands how it is we try to make our lives count in the various ways in which we try to find our purpose, we try and find meaning in our lives, various ways in which we have got it wrong. And he's here to show us how you can find the reason why you exist. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he puts it like this. He says... If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Is it peace? Is it purpose? Is it joy or happiness? We're all looking for these things, aren't we? The question to you today is, where are you going or where have you been to try and find them and have you found them yet? Jesus knows you're searching for them. And what I hope we're going to find today, we are singing, run to the Father. What we're going to find today is that there is a heavenly Father who's running towards us, who we can meet and enjoy and have friendship and fellowship with today. So let's just read the first few verses of Luke 15 together. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I want you to picture the scene with me. You have constantly, with Jesus, 
crowds of people. But there are two distinct groups of people that tended to gather around him, two distinct groups of people that we find uh, we encounter a lot in the Gospels. And we're told right at the outset who these two distinct groups are. We're told they're tax collectors and sinners. That's one distinct group. And then we have Pharisees and scribes. And they're milling around Jesus because Jesus causes such interest among people at this time because he's got this following, because he's performing these miracles, because he's an astonishing person and his words are being interrogated and his actions are being interrogated and the people he's hanging out with interrogated. And these Pharisees reach this conclusion and they say, he welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. What a brilliant description of Jesus. Let me ask you today, the fact that Jesus welcomes sinners, is that good news to you? It's good news to me this morning. He welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. But you see, the Pharisees aren't saying this as a way of commending Jesus. They say it to condemn him. They're not saying, oh, he's a really, Jesus is a really excellent guy. He just receives all different kinds of people. It's like, how can this man eat with the worst of society? See, Jesus drew the sinners. He seemed to repel the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes. They grumbled. They complained. They were not happy. And so this is the context for us as we go into a series of parables that Jesus teaches. We have three parables that we're going to be looking at today. And the final parable is perhaps the greatest gospel illustration ever told. And there is so much in it for us to learn about God from and to learn about ourselves, to discern why is it I behave the way I behave and what is it that my heart's really craving for and longing for and how do I find it? Jesus knows you really well. So this first one, let's read verse three. So in light of their complaining, he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. When he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. So he starts by saying, what man among you? What Jesus immediately seeks to do is to identify within every person this common experience. If you've lost a sheep, if you've lost something precious. I mean, how many of us have had that experience of losing something valuable, of losing some treasure, something precious? 
Two incidents spring to mind from my life immediately. One was when I was a child, and we'd gone on a holiday to, I think, Greece somewhere, and we were on the beach, and my mum suddenly realized that she'd lost her engagement ring, that it had fallen off her finger, and it was somewhere in the fine white sand. And so we're on our hands and knees, and we're all frantically trying to find this precious ring. And people come round and gathered round and invariably ask, what is it that you're looking for? And we explain, and this guy gets down on his knees and joins in, and within seconds, picks up my mum's ring. It was an amazing moment. Another occasion on the beach, this time I'm the parent. Busy evening, South Sea Beach, summer's evening, and it dawns on us that we've lost our youngest child. Where is she? She's wandered off. Where's she gone? And that sinking feeling. And we lost her for 30 minutes, and it was horrendous. And then when we saw someone had found her and was walking back towards us, the joy, the relief, the hug, you're back. Jesus wants you to know that your Father in heaven feels no differently about your condition spiritually. That you lost. You're lost. And Jesus says, you go out searching, don't you? You're searching, you're looking to find this precious, precious treasure that's been lost. And he says, and this is how I am towards my people. So in Ezekiel 34, we read this. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Verse 16, I will seek the lost and bring back the strays, bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey, and I will judge between them. Jesus says, you go seeking and you search, and when you find, there is great joy, there is great rejoicing. And he says, I tell you, just one sinner who repents, he says, there is such joy in heaven over the one. He knows each of us. He seeks each of us. He is searching, even today, searching. This sheep who is lost, as it were, in the wilderness lost in the wilderness, vulnerable, away from the shepherd, vulnerable to praying animals, to injury, vulnerable. And the moment when the good shepherd comes, scoops up the sheep, brings the sheep back. You see, you belong in a flock. It's where your safety is found. It's where your security is found. If you're out there on your own, you see, I do like to have that conversation with those who would say, I'm a Christian, but you're not part of a church. You're vulnerable out there like a sheep on your own. Jesus has gathered you up and brought you into a flock that you might find security and safety and community and a shepherd who's watching over you. And he's using this illustration. 
We go on to the next one. Let's carry on from verse 8. Or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. It's a very similar parable, isn't it, to the previous one. We have something precious that has been lost. We have someone searching to find this lost treasure. We have someone who delights upon the moment of discovering it. And then we have rejoicing, and we have celebration, and we have a party. There's a subtle difference. The sheep is lost in the wilderness. The coin is lost in the house. Both lost. You see, a house in this day and age, uh, you wouldn't have double-glazed windows. It would probably be some form of hut, and it would be very dark, and often it would be an earthen floor. Very easy to lose a coin in that kind of a setting. She lights a lamp, and she sweeps. She's carefully, painstakingly looking, seeking, searching. You may be thinking, I feel like I'm searching for something, but are you telling me that someone's searching for me? Are you, are you inferring that I'm precious? I'm a treasure? I'm a lost sheep? That I thought I was looking for an answer to a question that I have? And you're saying, God's seeking you today. And you find yourself here closer than you realize to the moment of discovery. And the point that's being made here, sinners, there's great celebration when you find God, when he finds you. And see, that's the twist. He's looking for you and seeking you. And the fact that you're here today is evidence of the fact that you're getting very closer. Maybe even you feel a sense of the peace, the joy that's being spoken of here. He loves to welcome sinners. Hallelujah. He loves to welcome people like me and you. And he delights in repentance. Where there's repentance, it's a turning back. And there's joy and there's celebration. This is what Jesus is teaching. So context to this next parable. He also said, a man had two sons. Don't miss that. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to him. Let's just pause there. Father, give me my share of the estate. This is the younger son. He would be entitled to one-third of the estate. The majority would go to the older. But upon the death of their father, and he's saying, I want it now, it's a great offense. 
saying to his father, I, I essentially wish you dead. I believe my life would be richer if you were dead. In fact, can you just give me my inheritance now? So Jesus is setting a scene here of something which people are listening on going, gosh, the ghoul. That's very offensive. He's going to have to sell a third of his property. So society around will be aware that this is happening, the shame that's going to bring upon the household. So already we have this shameful moment as, as Jesus is teaching this parable. Give me my share of the estate. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. He went to a distant country. He's the sheep, as it were, out in the wilderness. I'm better away from here. Do you know what? I want to take this money, and I just want to go and do my thing. I want to go and have my way. I want to be who I want to be. I want my own sense of self to find liberation. I want my own sense of what I think is going to be good for me to be the reality. I am who I say I am. I want to go and do my thing, my way. I want to have my fun. I want to indulge my sense of self. Let me ask you, does that sound like quite a modern worldview? As we look at these two sons, I think we can probably see in the younger a representation of how many in our wider society will be living today. How dare you say that I am anything other than who I say I am? And how dare anybody tell me how to live my life? I'm going to live my life the way I'm going to live it. I'm an independent sheep. I need no shepherd. I need no flock. I do things my way. This is the kind of character Jesus is describing here. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Pigs, for the Jewish community, the most unclean animal. You see the picture which Jesus is painting? He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am, dying of hunger. That phrase, when he came to his senses, it's this moment where the money's run out. He's exploited from this far-off country. Everything he thought was going to give him the happiness and the thrill that he, he so craved. And there's a moment where he's exhausted all of this and he, he comes to his senses and he's sensually aware of the fact that this isn't the life I'd hoped for. This is, le- this is I feel empty. I, I, I'm literally broke. I find myself literally among the pigs. I find myself craving for their food I'm in squalor, I'm in mess, I'm in filth, I'm alone. How have I, how I found myself here? And he's willing to accept that is his reality. So how long does it take for a person to come to their senses and realize the predicament that they're in? 
maybe if I get to know the pigs, maybe then I will feel like I belong somewhere. I mean, it, it's as tragic a picture as Jesus is really able to paint. I wonder if you've experienced the point where you've exhausted, as it were, the, the richness of the country far off, and you've come to realize an ache within you remains, and you're saying, there's got to be something more. Have you come to your senses? He came to his senses. And he is longing for his father's house. And he says, even the servants, even the slaves, they have a much better life than this. And he is remembering what he rejected and what he walked away from. And he begins to wonder, could I return? I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He begins the journey home, still covered in filth. How am I going to be received? What's the reaction going to be like? Maybe I could become a servant, maybe. That's the kind of, that's how high a bar he's set. Maybe I can be a servant as he's journeying back. But while the sun was still a long way off, still a long way off, his father saw him. What does that mean? His father's looking out. And his father sees him on the horizon coming closer and he is looking intently and realizes the gait, as it were, of his son. He recognizes him. He sees him. And he was filled with compassion, not with judgment, not with anger, with compassion. He sees his son. What does he do? He ran to him. He ran to him, again in this day and age, an unusual thing for an older gentleman to run, to show such emotion and abandon. This returning son finds his father running towards him. Fist clenched? (laughs) No. You're back! You're back! He hugs him. He kisses him. He is utterly stoked that he's back, thrilled to bits, 100% chuffed to see him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. He's making this confession. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I know that. But, verse 22, the father told his servants, quick, Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he's found. My lost son 
is home. And this father who is filled with love, this father who had suffered such shame by this son, who was treated appallingly, embraces him with compassion and mercy, kindness, grace, joy, and elation. And Jesus is telling you and I today, and the group here, he's telling us, that's who your God is. You think you're coming to be judged? You think you're coming and you're going to be treated harshly? You've misunderstood what God is like then because he's thrilled that you're here. And he's running to embrace you. And not only is he receiving you back, he's reinstating this one as a son. He's putting a ring on his finger. He's covering his muck. He's washing him, as it were, clean. And he's saying, you're a son. Kill the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. That's the scene set. So Jesus is telling us this. This isn't just a nice fable. He's literally saying, this is what happens in heaven when a sinner repents. How can he say that? Because he's been in heaven. Right? He's seen this happen before. He knows this is what happens. He knows every time you and I return to God and say, please, Lord, forgive me, there's an eruption of joy and celebration. This one who was far off is now back. And just as I felt when I picked my daughter up in my arms, if I who am evil know how to love my child, how much more so does your Father in heaven love to embrace you when you come back to him? You see, if you're lost in a sense of sin right now and you're feeling stuck and far away, and we can have times and seasons and days and weeks and months when we feel like that. Even as Christians, we who have already accepted the forgiveness of Christ, maybe we have become again a bit like a lost sheep and we have again been, as it were, sampling the best of the country out there, the wilderness. We found ourselves in the wilderness. Hey, that's common to us. We have seasons like that. The opportunity you have today is what the Bible calls repentance. And repentance always leads to joy and happiness. So if you're feeling a bit miserable as a Christian and you're finding it a bit hard work and you're kind of sat on this thing, there's an invitation to come back to your father today and to receive forgiveness and to have repentance and to have reconciliation. And Jesus says, and there'll be a party in heaven when that happens. Maybe you've never come to God before. A party in heaven. Now, historically, when this parable has been taught in the church, it tends to end at this point. Just talking about the reckless younger son. And what the church tragically has so often done is it's categorized two groups of people. And it says there's the bad people and then there's the good people. There's the, those that live wildly and there's those that live religiously and well. And they've totally missed the point of the parable. Because who is Jesus speaking to primarily here in this context? Who are the ones who are complaining about his behavior and how he's going about things? The Pharisees and the scribes. Well, let me ask you, are they not also very lost? But you see, you have one who is wildly lost in the wilderness. And then we have another who find themselves lost, as it were, religiously. 
So let's read from verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. You see, the older son is hearing the music. He's hearing the commotion. If you're killing the fattened calf, that's not just because the father and the younger son are going to have a really lovely meal together, right? If you kill a cow, you're going to need to feed a lot of people with it. So there's a whole community that's gathered to celebrate and rejoice. There's a big party that's happening here. He's coming back. He's hearing all of this. What's going on? Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out. His father came out to find him. Leaving the party because this older son is causing a bit of a commotion outside. How dare he do this? He should have immediately rejected this wild, profligate brother of mine. He should never have received him back. How dare he? This is kind of the commotion happening outside. He replied to his father, Look. Wow. Look, you, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours, see that? This son of yours, this brother of yours, this is your brother. You should be rejoicing too. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And it ends there. It ends there. We find this older son, maybe like the coin, lost in the house. We found the sheep lost in the wilderness. What we find here is this son is lost, as it were, in the house. He's never left home. He's always been there. He's obeyed. He's been faithful. He's been committed. He has been the successful son. He's been building the family business. He's been succeeding. He's been achieving. He's been faithful. He's been committed. He's been hardworking. He's been an example of a credible, excellent son. You see how wildly different these two sons are on the one hand, in terms of how they've chosen to live their lives, and yet, do you see how similar they both are in that neither of them loved the father for who he was? You see, both of them wanted things from their father, but not actually their father himself. And it's possible to be in a church even like this one over many, many years 
many, many decades even. It's possible to have lived an excellent, outstanding life. You've got the degrees, you've got the career, you've bought the home. You go on the holidays, you've done brilliantly well. It's possible to be lost, though, in the house, as well as to be lost in the wilderness. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we're going to have if we're to reach the society around us is what do people see when they look at Christians in the church? And if the younger son comes back, as it were, and only finds older brothers angry, grumbling, stony-faced, sour, complaining, moaning, miserable... Is that the kind of environment they want to return home to? But when they come back and they find people with arms wide open saying, you belong here, you're back. There's, that is what is so amazing about grace. It's amazing because it's undeserved, it's unmerited, it's freely and lavishly given, and it's poured out to those who are the least deserving of it, and it's a precious, awesome gift that God has for sinners as he reconciles them, as he restores them, as he loves them. And they just couldn't get their heads around it, these Pharisees. In the build-up to this message, I've read this wonderful commentary from a guy called James Edwards, and I just want to read this passage. I think it's a beautiful description of this parable. He says this, the human soul, says Dante, was created prone to love, but to be slow in love, or worse, to resist love and to rejoice in resisting it is to become hideously disfigured. Only the healing gaze of grace, like sunlight thawing ice, can draw straight the deformed limbs and warm the stony face till the contorted body blooms as love would wish for its delight. You see, the younger son comes back and he sees in the face of the father grace and it melts him. And it's grace that the older son needs to know as well. Because the older son is lost in his pride. Because the older son thought just because he'd lived, as it were, well, and he'd been obedient, somehow that meant that he was righteous. But he was only righteous in his own eyes. True righteousness, Jesus has pointed out, what it means to be truly right before God is to embrace God as your Father. And the only way you can embrace God as your Father is if you are willing to come through the Son. The only way we come to know the Father is through the Son. How do we come through the Son? What does that even mean? It means this. It means the price paid for your reconciliation is inestimable. 
You see, this father pays a great price in receiving his son. But we've already heard it today. Our Father in heaven paid by sending his one and only son to stand in our place. You see, how can you just sweep under the carpet all of that? How can you just say, how can you just say you're forgiven? All's well. When you've been perpetrating wicked behavior and wicked crimes, and if you have been on the receiving end of that, you know how unsatisfying it is just to simply say you're forgiven. There has to be a price. It has to be paid for. Who pays the penalty? Jesus comes and says the penalty will be paid. Justice will be served. We're not just going to sweep under the carpet and pretend like it didn't happen. I'm going to step into judgment and suffering and pay the price so that I'm able to receive the worst of sinners and say, you're home and you belong. Because at the cross, Jesus pays the price. At the cross, he suffers in our place. At the cross, the Father gives his most precious gift. And the resurrection is the sign of the completeness of the sacrifice and the certainty of the victory and the confidence we can have to receive his mercy and grace today because he lives and one day we will see him and as we see him we will be perfectly like him grace is not just the robe it's not just the ring it's not just the fattened calf it's not just the stuff grace is the relationship Grace is being reconciled to the Father. You see, this is why this is so beautiful. It's not just he got a lovely robe. It's not just that he got a ring. It's that father and son were back together, arm in arm, celebrating, eating, and rejoicing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Whether in the wilderness whether in the house. I once was blind, but now I see. Have you tasted the sweetness of his grace? The tenderness of his reconciliation? The beauty of relationship with God? It's not religion we're calling you to follow. It's Jesus we're asking you to follow. And he is one who loves to give us life. Why don't we stand and I invite the band to come and to lead us in a song of response. And if you're comfortable, why don't you close your eyes and you know where you are this morning before God. Maybe you arrived today with a sense of feeling lost in the wilderness. Maybe you came today, and if you are being honest, you know that you've been living maybe in a self-indulgent way. Or perhaps you've come here, and more like the older, the older son, a sense of entitlement, maybe, I don't know, sense of pride. 
If that's you, the Spirit of God will reveal it to your heart. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that he reveals you to us. And as we look at him and as we listen to him, we find that you are full of compassion. We find that you're full of kindness. We find a God that runs to sinners to embrace them. We thank you that your arms are wide open, that your fist isn't clenched towards us, but that you delight to embrace us. And Lord, whether our sense of lostness is as it were in the wilderness or whether it is in the house, I pray would we all find that we've been found today again. And would we find reconciliation to our Father in heaven that would thrill and delight our hearts. We thank you that there is great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And so we turn again to you to embrace you knowing the embrace of God. What a thrill. The arms of God. The bear hug of our Father in heaven. Would we feel the squeeze as his arms are around us today. We love you and we honor you. Let's sing together.